0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Stevie
2: B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network.
1: The Proclamation of the Gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ with your host Stevie R. Butler. You're listening to The Gospel Light Radio Show.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to give my usual introduction to this show. I'm going to go ahead and start the show because of the technical difficulty that I'm having. I don't want to lose uh, my programming here. So I'm going to go ahead and let my co-host, Robert Lee Johnson, he serves with the New Horizon Church of Christ there in Lake City, Florida. He's going to go ahead and give his segment, and I'm going to try to continue on with the show as best I can due to the issues that I'm having with my studio. All right, Robert Lee Johnson, I'm going to go ahead and bring you on after I play this introduction.
0: B's Song of the Week
2: technical difficulty I'm gonna to have to improvise the introduction to this radio show so just bear with me I want to go ahead and introduce my co host on this radio broadcast and then we want to go ahead and bring our speakers on to go ahead and get this show uh, started I'm in North Carolina my name is Stevie R Butler I'm in the great state of North Carolina and my co-host Tim bench he's in the state of Texas and Steve quarter he's in the state of Illinois and my co-host clay phillips he's in the state of georgia brian christian coleman he's in the state of new jersey and uh glenn mcmillian he's in the state of texas frank washington he's in the state of florida and courtney Carruthers, he's in the state of illinois and robert lee johnson he's in the state of florida ladies and gentlemen we're just grateful for the privilege able to bring you a program where we as christians and members of the Churches of Christ can share our faith and preach and teach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ on a weekly basis. Before we go into our program, I would ask that you to bow with me in a word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father, the Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day. And placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we are prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine word. For we pray that you will bless my co-hosts on the show this evening, Robert Lee Johnson and Glenn McMillian, as they break unto us the bread of life. We pray that you will continue to bless their efforts on this radio show as well as in their own personal lives as they continue to sow the seed. Of the kingdom, Father, we pray that you will be with our listeners who are tuning into this radio broadcast via Blog Talk Radio as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well, and that their hearts may be pricked as they consider their eternal stance before you and their soul salvation, and it will cause them to ask the question, "What must I do to be saved?" Father, we thank you so much for sending the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who died such a cruel death on Calvary's cross. We recognize that without such a sacrifice, we would not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask that you'll forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak, and we often fall short of thy will. For we pray that you'll continue to bless us and keep us and love us all the days of our lives. And if we have been faithful until death, Father, we pray that you'll save us. For it's in Christ's name we do ask it all. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Gospel Light Radio Show. I've been having some technical difficulty here, but we're going to try to make this show work regardless. I, I'm still flying in the dark, so I don't know what you're hearing. So I just hope everything is coming across uh, real good as of now. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to go ahead and introduce my speakers on the broadcast this evening. In the first segment, my, my co-host, Robert Lee Johnson. He serves as the evangelist for the New Horizon Church of Christ there in Lake City, Florida. He'll be making this proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And in the second segment, my co-host Dr. Frank Washington, he serves with the West Brower Church of Christ there in Plantation, Florida. He'll be answering our shout-out question in that segment. And then to close out the show, my co-host Glenn McMillian. he serves with the Waterview Church of Christ there in Richardson, Texas, and he'll be making this proclamation of the gospel of Christ to close out the show. So open your Bibles and open your minds, and let's have. A great show. After the break, the next one you hear will be that of my co-host, Robert Lee Johnson. Enjoy the show.
3: To say, send the light, come on and
0: send, send the light Send the light, send the light The blessing God's the
3: light From shore to shore Come on send the light The blessing God's the light Let it shine, more or evermore
1: You're listening to the gospel light radio show give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of jesus
2: christ now my co-host robert lee johnson and his subject a bright shining light thank you sir
4: hello there good people good to be with you today just to have this opportunity to speak the Word of God to you and to share uh, this fantastic uh, gospel uh, message that we uh, have been given uh, the opportunity to, uh, to share. I'm happy to be here today and uh, glad to be able to uh be present and to talk with you from the word of Almighty God. Like Steve, it looked like we're having <laughs> all kind of issues with our uh technological presentation. But we'll do the very best that we can and I call on you to uh as the old preachers used to say, pick up pencil and paper and write down some scriptures so that you'll know that we are preaching from the Word of God, uh, a bright shining light from Matthew five fourteen through sixteen. I might have changed it just a little bit, and I really want to talk about the light of the world uh, that's found in John eight twelve through twenty. So let me go there and uh, get us started on this subject. Uh, today, and I'm glad uh, that you are here and uh, sharing with us in this beautiful subject. In John eight and verse number twelve, the Bible says, "Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have." the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. That's what they said to Christ. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true, for I know whence I came and whither I go, but ye cannot tell whence I come and whither I go is what the Lord said uh unto them. Then reading uh, further, the Bible says in John 8:15, you judge after the flesh. And Christ said, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. They were together. Is what Christ is simply affirming uh to Uh, this group of people. and John, uh, the 17th verse of John 8, it is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Then said they unto him, Where is thy father? Jesus answered, Ye neither know me nor my father, Uh, If you had known me, ye should have known my father also. These words Jesus spake. uh, The Bible says in the treasury as he taught uh, in the temple, and no man laid hands on him for his hour was not yet come. And so Christ was, you know, he was always very clear in what he taught and in what he believed. Many today, if they would read the Bible, would not believe in the explicitness of the words of Christ, because things like today we try to deceive people, we speak in such a way uh, so that uh, we want to water down the Word of God. I'm not about trying to water down the Word of God. Now. If that's what you want to do, that's your business, and and God will take care of you at at, at the judgment. But I'm not about trying uh, to water down the Word of God. Christ spoke openly, he spoke boldly, and he spoke freely uh, as he dealt with the Word of God. I think that's the way we ought to speak today. Now, the Gospel of John records at least seven remarkable claims by Jesus. And I would like to share those with you uh, today. Jesus said, for instance, Christ said that I am the bread of life. What did he mean by that? Was he talking about um, that bread we buy out of the grocery store? I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness, and Christ said they are dead. And so Christ spoke to them in such a way that he could be understood. And that's why the people were, they got angry with Christ, and they wanted to put him away uh, because of what he spoke and how he spoke. Then in John 8 and verse number 12, listen at this. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So then if you're following Christ, you're not in darkness. If you're following Christ, it is an adventuresome, it's a great and wonderful challenge, and we're not living our lives in boredom. <laughs> Christ never led a uh, boring life, and he does not lead us to live boring lives. Again, Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pastor. That's what he said. He is the door uh, to life eternal. And would we follow him, he would show us how to make it into heaven. And I hear Jesus saying again in John chapter ten and verse eleven. Listen to him now. He said he says there that I am the good shepherd. He's a good shepherd, not the bad shepherd, but he's a good shepherd. And therefore we ought to be willing to follow. Uh, the shepherd of the sheep and we ought to be able to listen to him and put him in our focus. So in this study, we will focus our attention on his claim uh, to be the light of the world because that's what he was. And so in simple language did he make uh, this claim and many, many more. So when we follow the teachings of Christ, we find that we can examine the things that we find in the Bible. Now, as we look at the words of Jesus, we notice what is implied about the world in which we live. Jesus talked about light, and he talked about darkness. If we live in darkness, we're not living in the light of God's word. Let us just make sure that we understand that. There is darkness in the world. The symbolism of darkness uh, is used metaphorically to symbolize distress, to symbolize mourning, perplexity, ignorance, and death. In Isaiah chapter 9, 1 and 2, the Bible says, Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation, uh, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea, the Bible says, beyond Jordan in Galilee of the nations, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death upon them hath the light shine. And that's our great story today, to get people to see that there is hope. That, that God brought salvation uh, to this dying world, and God is interested in man finding the salvation that God offers and to make application of our lives. In Job 5 and verse number 14, the Bible says they meet with darkness in the daytime and grope in the noonday as in the night. In Job 12, 24, and 25, the Bible says, He taketh away the heart of the chief of the people of the earth and causes them to wander in a wilderness where there is no way. They grow in the darkness without light, and he maketh them to stagger like a drunk man. Now, that's what the Bible says and And so, when we are walking in God's way and interested in that way, God will manifest himself to us, and his word will be made clear: before I go whence I shall not return, even to the land of darkness and the shadow of death a land of darkness as darkness itself and of the shadow of death, without any order where the light is as darkness. So that's what God is saying to us today. And it's wonderful to be able to read in the New Testament, or rather the Old Testament, as it gives us these uh, predictions And then we take the Bible and and strive to understand what God is saying to us. And so the New Testament makes it abundantly clear. Again, in Job 17, 13 through 16. Listen to him now. If I wait, the grave is mine house. I have made my bed in the darkness. I have said to corruption, thou art my father. To the worm, thou art my mother and my sister. And where is now my hope? As for my hope. Talk, Joe. The Bible says, Who shall see it? They shall go down to the bars of the pit where our rest together is in the dust. You know, the older we get, the more we need to try to understand what life is all about, and we need to recognize that we're going to die one day. I don't care. Uh, how we dress, of where we live, what we drive, we're going to leave that stuff behind and we're not going to be able to take it with us. And so use figuratively of moral depravity, darkness, the Bible says, listen to them now, and this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. That's what Jesus said. And sometimes we act like we don't understand why people love darkness. The Bible says men love darkness rather than light. Members of the church can be living a good, complete life to God, and then all of a sudden they just seem to have an issue, a problem. And people won't talk to their face. They'll go behind their bikes and say, well, what's wrong with the brother? What's wrong with the sister? Nothing. There's nothing wrong with them, but sin got a hold to them. And if you ain't careful, sin will get a hold to you too. Why, Brother Johnson? Because men love darkness rather than light. That's what Jesus taught us. That's what Christ said. So it ought not to be strange that you find people in darkness after having left it, and then there they go again all over there, wrapped up in that darkness. Christ came to bring us to the light. Romans, the 13th chapter, verses 11 through 14, the Bible says, And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Preach, Paul. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The Bible says the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore... Cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy. envy. The Bible tells us not to walk in darkness, nor in the ways of the world. It tells us to get back to gospel preaching. And we're going to save people. We need to get back to gospel preaching. Rather than allowing people to to believe what they want to believe, why don't we just tell them what the Bible says? In Romans 13 and verse number 14, listen. The Bible says, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. God said, why don't you live a Christian life? Why don't you live a dedicated life? Get out of darkness and stay out of darkness, <laughs> and stop trying to have it both ways. People say, "Well, if you if you preach if you preach like that, you're going to make people mad and they'll leave the church." Well, they got an issue, then they got a problem, because men need to be told plainly what the Word of God says. They need to be told plainly that they need to get out of darkness, get out of sin, and live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Paul said to the church uh, the other day as he was speaking to them, he said, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Now, that doesn't sound like God did not care how we live. The Bible says have no fellowship with them. Don't spend your life doing what the world is doing. Look at the reality of darkness. Seen in the news, terrorism, war, oppression, sexual abuse, and greed. Viewed in the media, what do we see? Pornography, filthy language is what we see. Experience in life. We see adultery, physical and verbal abuse. We see false religions as described by the Apostle Paul. And we find that people are just walking in darkness. And so we have to have the courage to tell men that what they are doing, how they are living, is not what God wants us to do. Listen to what Paul says. This I say, therefore and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness, the Bible says, with greediness. That's not what God wants us to do. Listen, in verse number twenty of Ephesians chapter four, the Bible says, "But you have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard Him and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former." conversation. That's talking about your habitual living there. The form of conversation. That's talking about your conduct. Paul said, put off the old man, which is corrupt, according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore well, putting away lying. I, I spoke these words uh to the church uh Sunday. <laughs> when I got to the lion part they didn't say anything. I said, Well you didn't say nothing. Wherefore well, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. That's what the Bible says. Now to give place to the devil, let him that stole, preach Paul, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the good or rather the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. That's what God is interested in. He's interested in us doing what is right so we can help people. And then, this is much needed right here. Listen to verse 29. And let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. We got a lot of cussing folk in the world today, Priest Johnson. <laughs> we got a lot of cussing folk in the church. People would stand right on the church ground and just cuss. Students would cuss the teachers out. Employees would curse out their employers, how sad that is, but the Bible teaches us not to do that, and the scripture teaches us that we are to walk in harmony with the sweet will of God. The Bible says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. That's what we need in the church, a bunch of tenderhearted people, people that love God people that love their fellow man, people that worship and serve God, and people who have a heart for the work of God, compassionate-hearted people that are willing to get out and do what God asked them to do. And so in the futility of their minds, we find that they were darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God, and so many people even in the church that cannot explain to you the life of God, and then the Bible says, ignorant because of the blindness of their heart, the Bible says they're past feeling, given over to lewdness, working on uncleanliness and greediness. Things that we need to be leaving behind. And not jumping in with the world and doing those things that are in darkness. I'm glad today that Jesus offers us hope. For the Bible says that Christ is the light of the world. Yes, he is. He is the light. A claim made elsewhere in the gospel, in John one three through nine, you hear Christ talking about that. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. The Bible says, "In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness the darkness comprehendeth it not." There was a man sent. From God, whose name was John, the same came for a witness, the Bible says, uh, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light. John was not, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. We have hope. In our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we should get in line. We should follow Christ. We should be habitual in our transformation in this world today. I talk to a friend all of the time. His thing is all about conversion. He said, Robert, that people are not converted. <laughs> and his concept is that people ought to come in the church converted. Is that making any sense for people to live in the church years and years and years, and every year they get no better. They get worse. And people say, well, we got to give them more time. More time for what? To live for Satan? Man, God Put us in this life that we might be engrossed by this life, that we might live this life and be a testimony to him in this world. In John 9 and verse number 5, the Bible says, As long as I am in the world, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. People say, oh, but Brother Johnson, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. then you need to listen to Jesus, don't you? Christ said, I am the light of the world. Again, the Bible says in John 12 and verse number 35, then Jesus said unto them, yet a little while is the light with you. While uh, the Bible says, walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. It's sad, and I hate to say this, but the church is in darkness today. The church is in darkness today. Look at the things that people are practicing in the church. They don't have Bible for any of it, but they claim it's all right. Because they're not listening to Christ. They're listening to Satan and his cohorts. Yeah, I said it. They're not listening to Jesus. We argue about this and we argue about that and there's no scripture for what many are doing in the church today. Because they're walking in darkness and they love it. We've even gotten to the point in the church today where we give people a choice as to what sins they want. There's some that are herding instrument of music, talking about there's nothing wrong with it. There's something wrong with it. God didn't order it in the New Testament, and you ought not to be doing it. Yeah, I said it. Jesus said, "I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. If you're in darkness today, it's not because Christ put you there." Christ is the light, not a light, indicating that he alone provides the true light. In the church, we need to go back to picking up our Bibles, and we need to say we will follow what's in the Bible. If you want to know what's right, then follow the light that is in the Bible. Now, you don't have any business doing anything that the Bible doesn't say you can do. And people say, well, the Bible doesn't say we can't do it. God has always been crystal clear as to what he wanted from men. Now, stop lying on God and the Bible. People are out there doing things, and they're doing the stuff that they want to do, and the people in the church don't know enough Bible to challenge them. That's a sad situation. It's just as wrong as two left shoes. John 14, 6, listen, talk Jesus. And Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You can't make your own way to heaven. You can't find your way to God, doing find your way to God doing what you want to do. As the light, Jesus is the source of life. John eight twelve. then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. How can we call people out of darkness when we don't know what is darkness? Some claim they don't know what's right and what's wrong anymore. We've always been able to tell what's right and what's wrong. By taking a look at the good book, John 10 and verse number 10, the thief cometh, Jesus said, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Then our Lord said, I am come. I'm not like the thief. I am come that they might have life. The Bible says, and that they might have it more abundantly. That's what Jesus came to give us, abundant life. The church better get back to preaching the gospel and living the gospel and calling men back to those great wells of truth. We speak where the Bible speaks. And as one preacher said, and where you don't find any speaking, you better leave it alone. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Let me tell you something. God is going to do just what he said he was going to do. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. The Bible says, that many there be which go in there yeah. There are a lot of people that's going to be saved. I there are a lot of people that are going to be lost, and few will be saved. That hasn't changed. That has not changed. God's word is still true. Jesus let loose with these words the other day. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Talk, Jesus. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. There's no need of walking around here talking about you don't know what to do. You don't know how to feel about this or about that. I can tell you how you need to feel. If God didn't order it, it's not right. I don't care how many people in the church bank it. I don't care how many famous ministers in the church bank it. If God did not order it or call it to be, you better keep on walking and leave that thing alone. According to the Bible. According to the Bible. And so, Jesus said, I came and spoke to you that you joy my remaining you. Listen, we're not supposed to go through life looking and acting like sad sacks. But we are to be comfortable in the religion of Christ knowing that what he has taught us is according to his will and his way. The, inter- the eternal life, including the resurrection of men, can be traced to the Bible. Look at John eleven twenty four and 25. Martha said unto him, I know that. He shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said unto her, I am. What are you, Lord? I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live again. That's the power of God. That's the power that Jesus possesses. We're not going to lose out. If we listen to him, and if we do his blessed will. And John 17, 1 and 2, these words spake Jesus, and lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour is come, glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many. As thou hast given him. God is not in the disappointment business. God is not going to disappoint us. You live a Christian life, and God is going to take you to heaven with him. And so I'm just interested in doing the master's will. And second Corinthians eleven thirteen through fifteen. For such a false apostles. Isn't it strange today that everybody that is preaching and teaching is right and nobody is wrong? But in Paul's day, Paul said, for such a false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed, as the ministers of righteousness, whose ends shall be according to their work. There are people today; they teach false doctrine. They believe false doctrine. They share false doctrine. They preach false doctrine all across the land, and men will not stand up and tell them that what they are preaching is wrong. I asked the minister the other day, I said, you're saying that instrumental music is not a sin. I said, now, why is it that you're the only one that, can read the Bible and come to the conclusion that instrumental music is okay. What about all the preachers that read the Bible before you? I said, how did they come up with the conclusion that instrumental music is sinful? He said, well, they use a different paradigm. And I said, yes, they did. For they used the Bible, and you're not using the Bible. Because if you use the Bible, you come up with the same conclusion. We've grown scary. We're afraid to tell men that their doctrine is not based upon the teaching of the Bible. Well, I'm not afraid. At best, one can only reflect what light Jesus has already bestowed. He's telling us that the world is not the way that we need to go, but rather we need to come to the conclusion and understanding that Christ is the way and his word is still the standard that we need to use and understanding what is right and what is wrong. In Acts twenty six fifteen through 18, Paul talked about this light. And I said, Who art thy Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecuted. But rise and stand upon thy feet. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things, which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appeal unto thee. Listen to him now. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, what you want me to do, Lord, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. That's what we need to be doing, turning men to Christ, sharing the good word of God through the light of the Savior. John 12, 46 says, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Our churches today are in darkness because we're no longer preaching the gospel. We are preaching a soft gospel that is of the world and not of God. I had a brother to tell me some years ago. He said, well, I don't, I don't preach uh, negative sermons anymore. I said, well, why? I said, they're in the Bible. Why don't you preach them? He said, well, I just don't. I don't preach negative sermons anymore. By that, he meant that he, he would not tell people are things that they ought not to be doing. We got a lot of ministers like that today. And I don't think they serve much good. Preach the word of God like God gave it to us. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, That I am the light of the world, and he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. I'm thankful to God that the Word of God makes and gives us a distinguishable and a distinct message that we can know what is right and what is wrong. As I close tonight, I don't know what time it is, but I'm pretty sure it's time for me to quit. You need to become a disciple of Christ. Jesus talked a lot about discipleship. The word disciple means a follower, a learner, and only those who follow Christ will have the light of life. Therefore, only those who become his disciples will walk in the light. How one becomes a disciple or a follower of Jesus. Well, the Bible says in John 12, 46, and he that seeth me seeth him that sent me. I am coming light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me, Jesus says, should not abide in darkness. You need to get out of darkness. Getting out of darkness includes getting baptized. The Bible says, and he said unto them, go ye into all of the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. That's what the Bible says. And John 8 and verse number 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Do we truly have Jesus Christ? Whoso transgresses, the Bible says, and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ, hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. When was the last time you heard of a church that was withdrawn from unfaithful members? That took the opportunity to withdraw from men who teach false trend and we'll not make a change we don't care about we don't care about that anymore but I, I stop by to tell you that Jesus does it means a lot to him the Bible says that you may be blameless and harmless the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. The Bible says that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Become a Christian today. Turn to God and give your life to him. Become a member of his church. Obey the teachings of Christ. Obey the gospel and live for the Lord. As I close tonight, Matthew 5, 14, and 16, the Bible says, You are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle, put it under a bush, but on a candlestick. Give us light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine. Before men that they may see your good works, glorify your Father which is in heaven. I'm telling you today, we need to come out of darkness. We need to partake of the light of God and live our lives for him and walk in his way. Do those things that are well-pleasing and acceptable in the sight of the Savior. If you're not a Christian today, through faith, repentance, confession, and baptism, you can be a child of God. I would invite you to find a faithful church of Christ and make your wishes known and live and worship with that congregation and be faithful to the Word of God until Christ comes. Thank you so much for listening to the Word of God. I am Evangelist Robert Lee Johnson, located in Lake City, Florida. If you ever pass in my way? Come to sixty one thirty South U.S. Highway four forty one in Lake City, Florida. God bless you and thank you for spending time with us today.
1: You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
5: Is your congregation in need of lending for a building or expansion project? As your partner and advocate, Diversified Financial Network will take the time to understand your unique situation and
1: develop a financing solution that meets your specific needs. It's an exciting time for your congregation, and what you need is a company with expertise in church financing
5: early in the process. Call us today at 1-866-513-6665. Or visit us at www.diversifiedfinancegroup.com.
1: You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Shout it out, question.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, this is the portion of the broadcast where I have a question from my social media platform And I want to pose this question to one of my co-hosts, and we also want to encourage our listeners to get involved in that biblical discussion group that's on social media, Facebook. Now, my co-host that will be answering our question is Dr. Frank Washington. He serves with the West Brower Church of Christ there in Plantation, Florida. Dr. Frank, how you doing, my brother? Hey, my brother, how are you, brother Steve? Everything going
5: good over there? The yeah, brother? man, we
2: finally got it together. We got it together. <laughs>
5: all right, all right. Good prayer, make it work,
2: brother. Amen. Certainly appreciate it. Now, a question that we have for your consideration is from an anonymous queries from the state of North Carolina, and this now this is actually well, this is a question that we had from last week. This was the second question from that querist. So we want to pose this question as well. Now, this question says, besides the preacher, are there other officers or positions in the church that should be receiving payment for service, or should all of those who serve receive payment? What say you to this question?
5: Well, that is a good question
1: uh, from
5: North Carolina. Mm. But uh, I'm going to take a few minutes to to answer that question, and uh, hopefully uh, after answering this question, um, all of us will have a better understanding on what the Bible says uh, about whether or not a person should be receiving a salary for uh, their work or anyone who wants to be a staff member in a congregation or other officers. But um, before I do that, there are three small boys were bragging about their dads. The first first boy said, my dad writes a few short stories or short lines on a paper, calls it a poem, sends it away, and gets $25 for it. Well, my dad, said the second boy, makes dots on a paper, calls it a song, sends it away, gets $100 for it. That's nothing, declared the third boy. My dad writes a sermon on sheets of paper, gets up in the pulpit and preaches it. And when he does that, here's what happens. It takes four men to bring the money in. That's what we're talking about here today. Churches should make sure that pastors who work hard in leading and feeding uh, their members are highly respected uh, and well paid. Uh, but here is a here's my disclaimer um, in in regards to what I'm about to talk about today, because some, sometimes this can get you know a little um, it can get it can be you know rather sensitive here. Uh, but before I start, let me say that. I'm not saying it's wrong or sinful to pay a man to teach you every Sunday morning. Um, all I'm saying is that this practice can't be accurately vindicated using the Bible. Um, I like to also say that in most cases, paying the salary of preachers and officers and, and other staff is quite often advantageous uh, to the maturity and growth of the church. Well, so I see three elements in this question uh element number one is preachers, other officers, elders and pastors, and number three, other positions uh church staff. I guess we all know that uh first, it would depend on your church budget, on how you pay preachers and and other um other officers in the church and those other offices. Uh, I'm assuming that they mean elders and pastors. Uh, But next, you will need to have qualified individuals who have the skills to serve uh, in the church capacity. And finally, um, I have not heard a preacher who uses scripture for other officers or other staff in the church. Uh, The scriptures used in many cases have centered around um, the scriptures that point to why a church should hire a preacher. Uh, But on the other hand, there's no hard Bible answer uh, to whether anyone Uh, should be paid to full-time preach, administrate, or teach in a church. Uh, Wayne Grudem, who is a theological and apologetic scholar, observed, he says, Scripture doesn't caution us against paying our ministers too much, uh, but it does caution against paying them too little. Our first scripture that we're going to look at, which is the most popular verse used to support paying an elder, not necessarily a preacher, but in elders in First Timothy 5, uh, 17 and 18, it says, Let the elders who rule well uh, be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his uh, wages. Now, the ultimate question with this verse is, What does honor mean? Uh, in the Greek, it means a gift or a money paid, not a continuous payment. Or in this case, double honor is what they're talking about. But many people equate honor and wages together, which really doesn't make uh, much much sense here. Um, but labor um, in the Greek means to grow weary, tired, exhausted, uh, to labor with wear, uh, wear some effort uh, or to toil. But in paying the elders, In the early church, instead of one pastor uh, or preacher, the other officers, elders, ministered to the people. These men would devote themselves full-time to the work of the Lord, and therefore they deserved some kind of remuneration. Uh, In most congregations today, the elders are the laymen who have other vocations uh, but who assist the work uh, of the church. And usually the pastoral staff are the only full-time workers uh, in a church of course these are all these are secretaries administrative assistants uh, custodians etc but Paul was not writing uh, about those individuals um, in 1st Corinthians 9:11, enunciates a basic principle of the Christian life if we receive spiritual blessings uh, we should in turn uh, share material blessings for example the Jews gave spiritual blessings to the Gentiles. So the Gentiles had an obligation to share materially with the Jews, according to Romans 15, 25. Those who teach us the word, the Bible says, have the right to expect us to support them, Galatians uh, chapter 6. We have reason to believe that in Paul's theology, it did not accept, he did not accept financial uh, support from other churches. Uh, the Philippian believers, however, sent him two gifts. Uh, When he went to Thessalonica, and in Philippians 4 and verse 15, he apparently, they sent him uh, these gifts, but apparently other ministers had accepted support in Corinth. But Paul preferred to remain independent because lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. He wanted to be the best example to people uh, and to other, other believers. But in the Old Testament, in First Corinthians 9.13, Paul goes to the Old Testament practice. In that practice, the priests and Levites lived off the sacrifices and offerings that were brought to the temple. These regulations uh, governing their part of the offering, it also talked about the special tithes um, that they received also were found in Numbers 18 and 8 and Leviticus Leviticus 6.14. The application here is quite clear. Uh, if the Old Testament ministers under law were supported by the people to whom they ministered, shouldn't God's servants, meaning preachers, pastors, other staff members, who minister under grace also? The Corinthians did not have a copy of either gospel uh, to refer to. Uh, and when Jesus was doing his teaching in verse number 14, the Lord's teaching would have been able uh, was given to them as a part of the oral tradition shared by the apostles. Uh, the labor is worthy of its hire, which is a fundamental principle that the church dare not neglect. Paul certainly proved his point in this, that he had the right to expect the Corinthian believers to support him in his ministry when he was with them. Yet he had deliberately refused their support. Now, he took the support of Thessalonians. Uh, but he did, not, he did not necessarily take the support from the Corinthians. But why would he do this? Well, it's explained later on in the passages, but you have to realize, and, and this is very important, so hear me good. You have to realize, Paul, the author of this letter, repeatedly says that although they have the right to receive money for their work, they did not pursue this right. They did this. Listen now. They did this so they would not hinder the gospel, and, and 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 not. I mean, I hope you see this. This verse has absolutely nothing to do with has absolutely nothing to do with preachers, pastors, elders, other staff. This is about missionaries. That's right. This is about missionaries. About paying individuals. It's about missionary. Paul is talking about missionary work. Paul was not an elder. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a preacher in a, in a congregation. Paul was a missionary. He was traveling from town to town as a missionary, spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, I understand where you're thinking. I would be the last person to argue that we should not support missionary work. But Paul here says, it is ideal for a missionary to find their own work and support and support themselves. But you can't deny the fact that in this context and, and context is important. I know there are a lot of scriptures that, you know, our preachers use to justify, you know, why they should get paid. But if you look at the context, that's not the context in which, you know, is letting us know about But we can't deny the fact that in this context, those who proclaim the gospel get their living from the gospel is talking about people who are leaving their home, uh, their hometowns, and traveling far away uh, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. In other words, these are people who would, in any situation, have a hard time uh, finding employment and supporting uh, their own physical needs. So our next verse is in Philippians 4, uh, 14 through 19, the last verse um, that is commonly used to support paying a a preacher or an elder. It says, nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. Uh, You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift. Here it is. You sent a gift. More than once for my needs, not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit, which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphras, Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory uh, in Jesus Christ. Paul is a missionary. He's not an elder. He's not a pastor. He wasn't talking to elders. He wasn't talking to pastors. He wasn't talking to preachers. But yes, apparently the Philippians supported Paul when he was going through a rough patch, and he considered it a blessing. Though he didn't seek the gift, he didn't go out seeking it, he's glad that their graciousness Profit the Philippians. I, I would also like to point out that this is not a salary for Paul. This isn't a salary; it's a gift of support that sent Paul uh, to sent that was sent to Paul uh, on his way or in his way. Now, in other words, this verse does not support paying a pastor or an elder uh, a salary. Now, conclusion. Because I know some of y'all are really getting ready to ask me some questions, but uh, besides. In answering the question, besides the preacher, are there other officers or positions in the church that should be receiving payment for service, or should all those who serve receive payment? Well, the short answer is it depends on your church budget and the need uh, there is no real strong thou shalt pay the pastor or thou shalt pay the preacher or thou shalt pay the staff. In my ministerial professional point of view, we should reevaluate the traditional church motif. Uh, What is the traditional church motif, Doc? Well, here it is. Traditional church motif is Sunday morning. The church is open Sunday morning, Sunday night, and one day during the week. That's traditional church motif. You open up Sunday morning, stay for a few hours, close it, come back Sunday evening, stay for a few hours, go home and then one day during the week for maybe an hour or two. The church for today is the one that is relevant to the needs of a diverse and multicultural community. We need churches that are open from, from 9 o'clock or 8 o'clock to 5 o'clock every day with a paid, and all you administrative assistants, I have PAID and caps, you should get paid as an administrative assistant, making sure that you know the, the church is running, making sure that you know the phones are being answered, making sure that you know the uh, you're, you're making schedules for the preacher or you know anyone else in the in in, in uh, on the church staff. There should be someone answering that phone every day, so that calls and people's concerns don't get wasted. Not only that. There should be counseling and wellness coordinators for members and non-members. There should be mental health counselors because this COVID incident has caused a lot of mental health issues and anxiety among Christians as well as non-Christians. And so if you do not have a counseling and wellness coordinator, if you do not have a mental health uh, counselor, you need to get one. You need to have a spiritual formation minister, a website developer, IT specialist, singles ministry coordinator, facilities operator, worship leader. I mean, what's a worship leader? Worship, is, worship leader is more than having somebody come in and sing some songs. The purpose of the worship leader, my friend, is to lead people into a more intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Human beings were not created to function in isolation. We were built for relationship, and that's what the job is of a worship leader. And you should pay him. And so if your church budget uh, can only afford a preacher, then y'all need to get to work. Uh, If your church budget cannot afford a youth minister or a Spanish or Creole uh, minister or pastor, then you, you need to get to work because these individuals are fully dedicated to helping the church succeed. So should you pay them? I say yes, you should pay them if they have the skills the ability the passion and the love for Christ it will it will de- it would help the church uh, to succeed in ways that you could not imagine the main staff is tasked with important responsibilities regarding the day-to-day operation of the church and with this responsibility it's only fair that you pay them accordingly you can't or should not run a church on volunteers alone. Because what if they quit? Then you're stuck. You have nothing else to go for. Therefore, having a paid church staff and other staff member is vital to the growth and maturity uh, of a congregation. That's all I have for now. I I thank you for that question. It was a very good question. Uh, Thank you for that important question. This is Dr. Frank Washington saying, stay in God's grip.
1: Shout it out, question. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. It ain't
3: easy, no, sometimes it gets hard down here, Lord, sometimes it gets rough. Has anybody belonged?
1: You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Now
2: my co-host Glenn McMillian and his subject, The God of Love. Thank you,
6: Stevie. Tonight we're going to talk about a subject that should not be controversial, but has become controversial. Uh, We're going to talk about God and his love for us. Uh, This is Pride Month, so you're going to be hearing a lot about the concept of love uh, over the next few weeks. Um, And there's a lot of um, messaging around the concept of love that is... uh, not exactly consistent with what the Bible has to say about it. We are We're told that God is a God of love and that all he really cares about is that people love one another and that they get along and accept each other, and if they do that, then we've ultimately achieved God's purpose, and it is true that God is a God of love and we will we will explore that. Um, but what does love mean? What, what does the Bible mean when it talks about love? And is that consistent with the message that we're receiving uh, from the world? And how do we as Christians uh, take God's love and, and the message that God has for uh, people, with the love that he has for people and bring that to our community. So I'm hoping that we'll be able to cover all of that in the next uh, few minutes and uh, and have something that you can take uh, and bless your community with. So let's start with God being a God of love and where does that come from? We know this verse very well. If you, I'm sure you've already turned there if, you, if you're following along with your Bible. Uh, 1 John 4, verses 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So God is clearly a God of love. God, love is one of God's core aspects. It is something that he expects uh, all of us to have, all of us to show, uh, one towards another, it goes on, and when we go to our scrumpings, you know I'm going there, so you might as well have it, marked. Uh, that without love, uh, none of the other things that we do, none of our spiritual gifts, none of our our, our great deeds, even our faith, uh, becomes meaningless without love. But what, what, is, what does love mean in this context? What are we, what are we talking about? When we, we talk about love, well, so there are three words that are in the Bible that are tra- in the New Testament that are translated love, and uh, four that were existed in the uh, the ancient Greek that the Bible was written in. Uh, the first three, um, phileo, which is uh, the, the that we get the word Philadelphia from is the, the brotherly love. I love you like a brother. It's a very close relationship of love. This is used commonly in scripture uh, to talk about the love that Christians have for one another as, as brothers and sisters in Christ. There's another wor- word, storge. Storge is a, is a general affection. It, it's used in scripture only a couple of times in a negative sense to talk about, people who just have no concern for another person. They they lack all natural affection. Um, so it's just the we have a general uh, kind-hearted feeling towards another person is, is what Shroga is. And then there is Agape. This is the the love that is Reference here when we talk about God being a God of love, it is the love that we will spend uh, the rest of our our discussion talk, tonight talking about in First Corinthians chapter thirteen. And agape is a is a much deeper, a much richer type of love. It has uh, qualities to it that are sacrificial. It has the qualities in it that are uh, far-reaching, and, and we'll get to each of those things as we go through that chapter. The other one that's not, not mentioned in the New Testament at all is eros, and that is the sexual relationship, uh, the romantic type of love that is uh, in view in that sense. And, and the Bible, again, never addresses That type of love, especially even when it's talking about the relationship between husbands and wives. So, if you go to Ephesians uh, chapter 5, we see that you know, it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church. That that love there is not Eros, that love there is agape. Um, And it is very telling that the, the, the Bible has to command husbands to love their wives in an explicit way. Um, the Bible wouldn't have to command husbands to have eros for their wives, that, that, that's why they were, got married in the first place because they had that romantic attraction, that, that sexual attraction, that's what, they, what got them into a, a relationship together. So that, that love does not have to be commanded. It, that love is natural between men and women. Um, but husbands have to be commanded, have to be reminded to have a greater love, a, a, a deeper love for their wives than just the romantic attraction. The agape, again, says as Christ was willing to give him, as Christ gave himself the church. There's a, a sacrificial and a, a willingness to not only do I love this person, this woman, that not only do I have uh, affection for this woman uh, and we have companionship, but I am willing to, to die to, to save this woman uh, from her, any hurt, harm, or danger. And so... Uh, the, the common messaging that we see during this month is that, that people are going to say that well, love is love. But as we can see, even in, especially in the Bible, we have these these four different types of love. The love is eros is not agape, uh, and that's that's what we're being what, what is being conflated in a lot of these situations. But even in English, we understand that love is not love. I mean, I love my cat, I love pizza. I love my brother. I love football. I love my wife. I love God. All of these different connotations of love are, are very different from one another. And so so love, even in the English language, is a very flexible word. And you can't just assume that love is love uh, without context. But of course, the... the Idea there is that well the, the the love that we have that a man has for a woman is the same love as a man could have for another man, and, and our woman could have for a woman, or, or any other sorts of combinations. And again, that's that's we are conflating two different ideas there. We are conflating the the idea of eros, that romantic love, that you know, yeah, I mean you can be sexually attracted or or Interested in those kinds of things, but agape is something different, and you know, we see that that, that is a completely different concept that uh, we will have to explore in much more detail to see if the same could be, could be said is love love in this situation from a biblical perspective. Let's move over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And, and let's look at agape in a, in a deep sense. God is the God of agape, God is the God of love. But what aspects does this love have and how do we show this love one to another? Starting in verse four of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love is patience, love is kind, Love is not jealous. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not take into account wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now, if we take these verses one by one, we will see where we're going to have a lot of positive aspects of love that everybody can agree on. But there are some concepts of, of agape that are unique to Christianity and unique to... Uh, are, are very different from what the, the type of love that uh, the world is trying to get us to embrace love is patient and I think that we can all agree that, that if we're going to love somebody we need to be patient with them and so we can't uh, pressure people into accepting love we can't ex- expect people to uh, to come around immediately love is 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 willing to wait you know for the person to to come around and if we're gonna show love to, to the people in our community, we can't badger them and, and are and, oh, you know, I, I tried to, to teach them the gospel and then they did, they didn't receive it, so I'm just gonna dust my feet off and, and move on. There is, uh, there are times when that is appropriate, but I think in general, we need to understand that love is patient and that we need to be willing to, to wait on, on people to, to, to come around to the love that God is trying to show. It's not, it's not, gonna, not everybody's going to receive uh, what you're trying to to give them right away. But if people see that you're working with them, that the love that you have for them doesn't diminish just because they don't agree with you, um, I think that they can recognize that what you have is genuine, what you have is something that they want to be a part of. Love is kind, and again, I think that everybody agrees with this part, that in order to, if you're truly being in love with somebody, if you truly have agape for someone, then you do good things for them. You treat them in a kind way, and a person who refuses to treat his neighbor with kindness, which refuses to, do good unto his neighbor is a person that lacks love. Um, love is not jealous, and jealous in this case is, is we don't uh, withhold our love from from people in a in a biased way. Uh, we have to, we we are loving to, to all that we come in contact with. We don't uh, despise somebody for not uh, loving us back in the way that we expect to be loved back. Uh, we are patient and we're not jealous. We allow people to have their relationships and have their, but we, we have a relationship with them. They can have relationships with other people. We are fine with that. It is a a, a, a good uh, uh, thing for all of us to, to be in fellowship one with another. We're not possessive of the people who are in our sphere. Love does not brag, it is not arrogant. So we don't, uh, as Christians, should not be lording over people who are not Christians, and, and seeing ourselves as being better than them. Uh, we, you know, we love them. We are trying to give them what God is uh, wanting to wanting them to to have. We are trying to give them a a positive relationship with us and with God, without uh, lording over them. We're, we're, we're being humble as, you know, we're all sinners in need of a savior. We've all stumbled, we've all fallen, we've all searched for the proper path. And we don't come at people with the... with the mindset of I'm trying to, you know, make you feel bad about where you are in your your relationship with God. We're trying to expand, we're trying to help them to find a, a relationship with God, and we're trying to do so in the humblest and most effective manner that we know how. It does not act unbecomingly, it is not rude, it is not, we don't, uh, again, we don't treat people who are on the outside of our community with hostile action. And I think, again, these are things that we've had struggles with as the church um, because we are very insular in terms of we believe that we have the truth of God, we mostly hang out with other people that we think that are like-minded, and then when we go out of that circle when we're encountered with people who don't think this is the way that we do, there is a temptation to, uh, to meet that difference with hostility. And love, if we have tr- true love one for another, We don't act that way. We treat people with kindness. We don't treat them with hostility or rudeness or coldness because we want them to experience the love of God because God is a God of love.
0: Hmm.
6: Does not seek its own. So we're not after out. After our own benefit this is we're not in the business of Christianity to, to puff ourselves up.'re not I'm not a preacher because I want to look good or I want to strip my own ego. I'm here because God has saved me from something. God has delivered me from my past and I want to let everyone know that that deliverance is available. And it's not about me. It's not about what I've done. It's what God has done for me. I'm not seeking after myself. I am just letting other people know what God is able to do for them. It is not provoked. So if you are loving with somebody, so the. They, the hostile, if they somebody comes at you with a hostile reaction, it should not cause you to become angry or become upset. You know, Not everybody is going to accept everything that you have to say. And that should not make you upset. It should not make you angry. It should only cause you to love that person. More, to look for better ways, more effective ways to communicate uh, the love of God to them. So if a person gets upset in in the course of having a spiritual discussion, or gets upset in the course of uh, trying to do something for someone and it's not received well, that that is an indication that there's not really love behind that uh, behind that action. It's something else that's motivating. A person who is motivated by love is not going to be be angered by that. They are going to be They're going to take the note, they're going to say, okay, that didn't work, what else can I do in order to get this person to uh, understand what God is really trying to show them? Love does not take into account a wrong subject, or in the King James Version, it keeps no record of wrong. This is a very... uh, Difficult aspect of, of the love of God that I think we have it, it, love does not hold a grudge. I don't keep in my back pocket the thing that, you know, somebody did to me years ago, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep holding that against them every time I see them or every time I have an encounter with them. That is not uh, the love of God. The love of God says, you know what, that thing that happened in the past is in the past. Today I'm going to treat you as if that thing never happened. Today we're going to have a relationship as if you know past things are just water under the bridge. If if I can and we move on from here to a better relationship in the future, and you know, that can be hard for some of us. Some of us uh, like to hold grudges, um, but love, says that we should not keep and not not record a record of wrongs. Now, verse 6 is where we're going to lose some people. And I know this because I've heard verses 4 and 5 quoted by lots of people, by uh, uh, just the other day I was watching a, a, uh, a show on TV and they, it was a wedding uh, scene and they quoted verses four, five, and six, or four and five. But whenever they get to verse six, they always either don't quote it accurately or they skip it completely. And that's because now we're getting into a difficult aspect of what agape is. Again, we talked about agape being a sacrificial love that in its purest form is it, you're seeking the other person's ultimate best. And we understand this. Uh, well, let's read let's, let's lead with this. Because love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. I think we, we understand this if we take it out of the context in, in which we are thinking about it right now and, and apply it to uh, something like a, a, a person who's struggling with drug addiction. We understand that it is not a loving thing to be an enabler of that person's habit. The most loving thing that we could do is to support them when they are trying to get better, to provide them with ways to escape uh, the the drug habit and the, the, the things that are causing them uh, to struggle. Uh, but when they are going back into the things that that are that are damaging them, when they are falling prey to their addiction uh we can't support that we can't uh rejoice with them in that even if they don't see it as being as a pro- a problem and I, I think that we understand that in in that situation and the same thing goes with any other type of sin if a person is when when let me bring up this quote by by Rick Moore. As our culture has accepted two huge lies: the first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must hate or fear them; and the second is that to love someone means you agree with everything they believe or do. Both are nonsense. You don't have to be—you don't have to compromise your convictions to be compassionate, and that is true. Um, and that's what God is, what what Paul is telling us here. Uh, Love does not rejoice in iniquity. If a, if a person is doing something that is contrary to truth, and in this case, we, what is truth? God's word is truth. So when someone is doing something that's contrary to God's word, when is doing something that is contrary to uh, things that are beneficial, things that are edifying, even if they are rejoicing in that, even if they don't see a problem with it, we are, if we're going to be truly loving them, we cannot support that activity. We cannot rejoice in their iniquity. And, and that is tough because it seems like we are withholding something from them. But what we're really doing is we're showing them, that I understand that you don't see this the way that I see it, but... I am seeking your ultimate good. I'm seeking not the ecstasy of the moment, but the joy that comes from ultimately reaching uh, the, your your greatest potential. And what what you're doing right now is you're settling for something that is less than what God would would have for you. The the, the life that God would would ask you to to aspire to. So we can't support uh, people who are, are in a situation that is not uh, in accordance with truth, in accordance with, with God's word. I mean, So when we're talking about, again, this is privately, we're talking about these other arrangements Um, besides the one that God has prescribed. We go back again back to uh, Ephesians. It says, every man, husbands, love your wives. Literally, because the Greek doesn't have a separate word for husband and wife. They just say, men, love your women. That is it. That is the only relationship that the Bible sees as being accepted. That is not something that I made up. That is not something that is. is it comes from the book of Glenn. It comes from, from God. God sees the ultimate good as being a, the male and female relationship. So when people are in some kind of other arrangement and expect us to celebrate, so, I can't do that we can't celebrate with you, we can't, because that would be rejoicing in it. We need to point you to something higher. Point you to the fact that God is trying to bring you into a a better relationship with him. And that means giving up uh, some things that might cause us to feel good in the moment. And, And again, that's, we're not, Strictly limiting it to this situation, there are. This has to do with every sin that that's out, and you know, every all of us struggle with some kind of sin. And it, it wouldn't be appropriate for you know me to rejoice in the sins that I have and, and then bash somebody else. It, no, none of those things are to be celebrated. Sin is never to be celebrated. Sin is always to be reproved and repented of and moved on from. And that's where we're trying to to go with everyone. That's what we're trying to teach and be loving in how we teach with everyone. So again, I, I know that that is a, a, a hard pill to swallow. I know that that is Uh, Something that people don't like to talk about. And I know that because they don't. (laughs) Because, again, every time this this passage is used in popular media, they skip verse 6 because it is difficult. It does require you to not just accept whatever somebody is bringing to you, but compare that against truth. And, again, truth is defined as what is in the Word of God. So if something is not truth, if something is not uh, in accordance with truth, then it can't be celebrated. And it it, it is our responsibility as loving people to point them towards truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Again, we are love is able to bear all things, survives any and all trials. It goes through it, all the difficulties. No matter what's going on, the love still remains. Believes all things. Again, in accordance with the truth, we believe in what God has told us. We believe the promises that God has made to us. We believe what God is teaching us through his word, and we communicate that to those that we come across in, in love, trying to point them to our Savior. hope. all things. Again, we, we have hope. We have a hope in Christ. And that hope is what we communicate. That hope is what we share. That hope is what we defend. Uh, and that love is embodied and born through that hope. Endures all things. Again, it's not, not going to be easy all the time. It's not going to be uh, something that is comfortable all the time. But love extends deep to everyone, regardless of the situation. Agape is broad. Agape is deep. It's powerful. It is the love that God has for each and every one of us. No matter where we are in our our, our walk, whether you know him or not, God loves you. He has agape love for you. He has deep, sacrificial love for you. He is willing to give his only son to die on the cross for you because he loves you, no matter what situation you are. So the message to you, no matter who you are, no matter where you stand, is God loves you. And he wants you to repent and to come to him and to enter into a right relationship. So just because God loves you doesn't mean that there are no requirements or that there are no uh, conditions for entering into proper relationship. We understand what the Bible teaches, that a, a person must hear the word, he must believe it, Must repent of their sins, give up the things that they believe to be right, they believe to be true, and follow after what God teaches us are right and true. And must be willing to be baptized in water for the remission of those sins. And then continue to walk in the newness of life. I often tell people that, that you know we talk about the five steps, but the five steps are only really ten because there's a each one of those five steps is an initial action, but it's also a continuing uh, uh, lifestyle. Afterwards, you you hear the word, but you never you don't just hear the word once. You continue to study after you're saved. You you have faith in the word, but you don't you don't just have faith for that day. You continue to cultivate to to strengthen that faith as you go. You you repent of your sins, but you don't just repent that day and 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 then are are okay for the rest of your life. You you continue to repent every time we sin, every time we we fall into sin because we're, we, we're going to have trouble. With the the old sins, we're going to have trouble with the new things as we grow. But God is faithful and just to continue to forgive us as if we confess our sins and repent of them. We when we confess, we we confess that that day that Jesus Christ. But we also confess as we live, as we go, as we uh, grow in our relationship with God. We are continually telling people. Uh, about this faith that we have in Christ Jesus. And we, we are baptized. When we're baptized, we enter into relationship with God, and then we continue to walk in that relationship. Uh, we are, the, the baptism is for, for and as an analogy, it's, our, it's our, our wedding ceremony, but we don't just have a ceremony. We are now in, in a marriage. And we continue to uh, point back to that ceremony as we walk in this relationship. So those are the things that God requires of us and in, in order to enter into relationship with him. So it doesn't mean that God loves us any less if we haven't done those things. It just means that God is waiting. God, again, love is patient. God is still waiting for us, uh, waiting for you to, uh, to understand what God is, what, he, what, what is being taught to you, understand what, he, what his will for you is and is pleading with you to come and to, to join and to, to, to uh, accept the gifts that he is offering. So, the lesson is yours for this evening. I I hope that we understand better uh, the love that God has for us, the love that we need to show um, to our fellow men and women, and how that love is a little bit different from from what we have heard before, but, but is, is ultimately uh, a love that seeks everyone's ultimate good. And, and God wants what's best for you. God wants to have a relationship with you. And He is uh, waiting for you to, to find Him if you only seek Him out. I, I hope that this has been received in the spirit that it was given, and uh, tonight uh, we will uh, put in there. Um, let's say a, a word of prayer as we uh, dismiss for this evening. Dear God and Father, we thank you so much for the say that you've given us. We thank you for just allowing us to have this opportunity to, uh, to study your word, Father, to to be blessed by. Uh, the men who have brought your word to us this evening, Father, Father, we just ask you to to go with us as we uh, continue to to walk with you or to to strive to to be your saints. Just help us, Father, to live our lives in, in a manner that's pleasing to acceptable in your sight, Father. To remember the things that have been taught here today and incorporate them into our everyday lives. Father, watch over us, keep us in your care, and Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: You're listening to The Gospel Light Radio Show.
3: Rolling down the river of ice.
1: Listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for tuning into the broadcast this evening. We certainly appreciate those who've been following our radio show on Blog Talk Radio as well as on social media. My co-host Robert Lee Johnson and Glenn McMillian both presented their presentations on social media as well as on Blog Talk Radio. I want to thank my co-host Robert Lee Johnson for that fine lesson. A bright, shining light. He always does a great job on the broadcast certainly appreciate his efforts and my co-host glenn mcmillian for his subject the love the the god of love certainly an excellent topic and he he made some very good points in that lesson as well and my co-host uh frank uh dr frank Weiston did an excellent job in answering our it out question from the anonymous queries from north carolina regarding the pay for those who uh serve in the lord's church so that we've just had a great show in spite of the difficulty we got off to a rough start But we uh, was able to work things out in the show. My co-hosts, actually, all of them did a great job on this broadcast. Certainly appreciate their efforts each week on this program. Ladies and gentlemen, we are just thrilled to be able to bring you a weekly broadcast. And I pray that the lessons that were given on this radio show have been beneficial to your spiritual lives. And your relationship with the Lord has been strengthened because you're not only tuning in this radio show, but you've given yourself over to a study of God's Word. I'm your co-host. I'm your host, Stevie R. Butler. I want to say on behalf of my co-host on the Gospel Light Radio Show. We really do appreciate your love and support for these radio programs. Good night, everybody. God bless you.
1: You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give me a song to
3: sing. And my Jesus, he sang at the table, my Lord, yeah. And all Judas He had just left to betray mm. Before going to the garden, kept saying with me, Jesus called for so, in the midst of my trials, help me, help to do the same. Father, please give me a song to sing, hey, just like Jesus.
2: Radio show, episode two hundred and thirty-two.
5: And if you miss me from singing, singing, and you can't find me nowhere,
3: no come on up to glory, glory. I'll be singing the fest. Yes, I will, and I, I know the I, Lord, Lord, He will Glory. Glory. I'll be praising the best I'll be praising the fair Heard a minister, hey. Say, hey,
4: I'm